Hey! And before I even get started, I'm gonna say, I know. I know, I know, I know to all three of you who listen and were waiting for the last two episodes. Crazy couple of weeks at work, end of the month, a lot of offers, a lot of listings, a lot of closings. So I fell behind. But on this one, I think you'll like. It's a little bit of an intro for Miss Deegan Williams. Um, she was a chef and then an executive chef, had enough of that, and then basically started her own business as a, I don't want to say a food consultant because she doesn't consult on food. She consults for people who like, I already know how to cook, but I don't know how to run a restaurant. She does all sides of it like that. So if you have a restaurant and either you're struggling or it's more than you thought or you just flat out don't know what you're doing, she's the one to get a hold of. Um, super nice, super sweet lady. Um, I will be sending her cheese curds out shortly. Um, but yeah, we basically chatted. I like food. She likes food. So we talked about that for a little bit and kind of all walks of life, how she got into doing what she's doing now versus just working at a job as a chef. Um, but super interesting lady. And I hope to have her back on here again. Um, look her up on Facebook. Uh, her business is Culinary Business Strategy. So you can find that on Facebook. Otherwise, just facebook.com slash culinary business strategy. And she's on Instagram at culinary business strategy. Uh, just like it sounds. And she does have a LinkedIn thing also. Uh, she's originally from Oakland. And we just basically talked about a little bit of everything. Like a normal show. A lot of tangents. A lot of ins, a lot of notes. A lot of notes. A lot. Wow, my tongue isn't working today. A lot of ins and a lot of outs. Uh, yeah, that's essentially it. So, uh, they'll be coming every week now. I know. I apologize for the delay. Uh, hopefully I got all this stuff squared away. But, um, remember to, as well as following some of these guests that you may find interesting, and most of them that I've had so far said that they're welcome. They welcome, um, whether it's fans or communication or someone who's looking into their business, they're super into that stuff. So if you ask them a question, they're going to respond personally. Um, but I would like that also. So please, please, please hit me up on Instagram. Uh, Facebook is just the name of the show. Now, what shall we talk about? Instagram is at now what shall WTA. And if you use the old electronic mails, you can find me or send me, yeah, find me, whatever. Send me a message at now what at talkaboutpod.com that's my gmail address and if you got nothing better to do hop over to patreon and i am at patreon.com slash nwswta and throw a few bucks my way and that'll motivate me to get shows out on time <laughs> from now on but uh all right you guys enjoy the show see you next week bye okay perfect hello <laughs> um I'm not sure where to start because your little bio was very interesting. I looked it up on Instagram and Facebook, mostly because I love food <laughs> more so than the business end of it, because I don't know anything about business, but I love food. And here, I mean, it's cheese curds and beer. And <laughs> I mean, we have beer cheese soup and beer cheese sauce and cheese curd burgers. And so I'm excited to hear about I guess everything you know, which would take hours and hours and hours, but like, 
how did you get into the the food end of it as executive chef, if I'm remembering correctly? Yeah. Um, I think that's great, right? Like, I don't know anything about business, but I love food. Yes. It's that's... great because we, I mean, it's we all love food, right? Or almost everybody loves food. And so it's a great you thing should. to talk about mm-hmm. because there is such... Um, I've learned a lot more recently. I keep paying attention and seeing more recently about how we're connected through food. Here sure. we are essentially virtually two strangers and we're like, you want to talk about food? Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't – everyone has the food. Like my dad is, for whatever reason, onions. He can't stand them, can't stand the smell of them, won't eat them. My mom is green beans because at the farm, being one of 16 kids, she was the oldest girl. So you're in the house helping grandma cook, can, and they had a giant garden. And she said when they'd boil those green beans to can, the whole house would stink like that for two days. And she hasn't been able to eat green beans since. But even though everyone has something different, food being completely subjective, everyone still loves food, (laughs) regardless of what it is. I mean, because it touches us on such a profound level. It's not just, I often say that like good food is not just calories consumed. Good food is about a story. Mm -hmm. Like I've never smelled green beans being canned like that because I wasn't of her generation. Sure. But I can understand how green beans are super gross to her. Yeah. (laughs) Ironically, green beans are like one of my top three foods, but I've never had a canned green bean in my life. It's... You're not missing anything. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Right? But I'm not one of 16 kids learning to like figure out like how do we feed all these people in the dead yes. of winter, right? That's a big yep. deal. Yep. Pickled beets, they would can every tomatoes, green beans. They would, using a pressure canner, um, you can meat. You can do beef. You can do venison. You can do, and it's the most tender thing you've ever eaten. But it's a process. So you did, (laughs) I mean, unless you want to eat birch bark all winter long, you got to do something. Right, 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 right. It's so true, right, to see that. And so actually I said I've never eaten a canned green bean in my life. That's not true. I make these things called dilly beans, which I hope you never tell your mother about. I, I, I like those. That's one of the few green beans other than right out of the garden that I like. So I'm right there with you. Okay, so I'll do fresh out of the garden and dilly beans and that's it. Um, Perfect. And it's weird because I started making dilly beans and my friends show up like in summer at my mm-hmm. house and they're like, are the dilly beans ready yet? And I'm like, <laughs> is this a store? What's happening? Well, that must I mean must you're doing it right, right then. I guess so. Because if they right? were gross, gross, no one would show up to help. Yeah. So you asked about like how I got started in food. You know, the thing is, is that I have such a bizarre story, really, even to myself. as I've told it a hundred times and I think that's crazy. <laughs> Um, I was one of those weird people that knew exactly what I wanted to be when I grew up, when I was a little kid, when I was in preschool. I'm 40 and I have no clue what I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) It's crazy, right? And so, I mean, it did eventually change, but I spent most of my life knowing exactly like from the time I was in preschool, I knew I wanted to be a chef. Like who does that? You don't change. Like That's crazy. That's good. I guess at least you didn't have to wonder. I mean, there's good and bad that came with it, right? There's both, there's positive and negative. Yes. But um, one thing is I never learned how to exercise that muscle of what do I want? Because I always knew. And I didn't exercise that muscle until I was in my mid to late 30s. 
And people said, what do you want? And I was like, choice? What are my choices? Sure. So I didn't know how to evaluate. Um, So I knew that I wanted to be a chef. I started working in restaurants and kitchen restaurants. Um, Early high school. Like bussing tables, that wait, like server or in the kitchen? Kitchen in the kitchen. I was working nice. pantry. I was doing like all the cold appetizers, sure. stuff like that. Like I was in the kitchen as soon as I could. I was, I would wash dishes. I would do salads. I would cook on the line. I could do anything I could. I just had this way of like finding my way in. <laughs> and then at seventeen, somehow I convinced my parents that I should do my senior year abroad in France. Oh. You poor and thing. <laughs> I know it was rough, right? And so the the funny thing that came with that is actually it wasn't about do, becoming a um, doing a senior year abroad. It was about me finding a cooking school, and I didn't have any money. Sure. So I found a cooking school where I went to France, learned how to speak French, got to a cooking, <laughs> cooking school scholarship on translating cooking classes. Really? Yeah. <sighs> See, that's smart though. Because most people would, that, would most people have thought of that. I I mean, it I wasn't so. really so much of a conscious decision. I just did it, or I went for it. Sure, and that's like to me. I never, I never thought of that. Like studying abroad from our tiny little, there was a hundred kids and ninety eight kids in my graduating class, and that was one of the bigger ones in the area. <laughs> So studying abroad was like going two hours away to the city of 30,000 people. Like if you're going to tech college, there's half the people there probably still never have left the county their whole life. It's just I I feel that I missed out on some opportunities like that coming from such a small place, like just leaving the town and going to a bigger city was a gigantic step for a lot of people. So just like, like as a senior, I'm going to Europe. Europe. You'd got laughed at. Right. (laughs) There was that just wasn't an option. So I'm happy for people that did it, but also like 60% jealous that I didn't wasn't able to do that. Right. Right. It's very strange how people come up with these kind of these ideas. Like, I'm not really quite sure how I baked it. You know, just last week I spent... um, a week in Marshall, Texas, which is as East Texas as one can get. It's almost to Shreveport, Louisiana. The next town is Shreveport, Louisiana. Is Louisiana. Okay. It is a tiny, tiny town. Marshall is actually has some significant relevance in our history in several different ways, but it is a tiny town out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like in this bubble of the San Francisco Bay area. Sure. Sure. And in the last year, I haven't really moved a whole bunch. A year and a half, I haven't moved a whole bunch. Yep. So suddenly to find myself in small town, rural, rural Americana was a shock. What? Uh, I Were you on vacation there? <laughs> I mean, no, what was your, if you can speak work. on it. <laughs> oh, I actually sure. went to work. Um, <laughs> and I just ran into this culture clash because I was like, wow, this is not oakland anymore is it friends yeah it's that's a steep curve when you go from anywhere in east coast west coast to anything other than that yeah i guess i mean you can go to austin and it's urban 
but it's not Los Angeles. It's not New York. You know what I mean? It's it's urban. Austin but it's, was four hours away. Oh, Texas is so big. It's like its own country. It's huge. <laughs> it's crazy. So, but did you enjoy your time or was it just weird? No, it was great. It was great, 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 great. I had an amazing time. I'm so grateful I went. I'm so glad I got out of my bubble. I'm so glad. Like, I learned so much. I met people who looked at me like I was a freak of nature. They were like, you just got on a plane? And I was like. Yeah, they still make those. (laughs) They still make them. And I flew into Dallas and I rented a car and I drove for three and a half hours. (sighs) Into the middle of nowhere. Truly in the middle of nowhere. And actually the timing worked out such that I, I landed at about three o'clock in the afternoon. I got a rental car. I drove all around Dallas, fixing mm-hmm. up, picking up all kinds of food. Mm-hmm. I drove with an actually jam-packed SUV and I left Dallas at like 830 at night and drove into the dark. <laughs> Bold. Uh, well, at least you knew you weren't going to starve. I wasn't going to starve, right? That's perfect. Yeah, that's... I feel that I wouldn't have if I would have the experiences that you would have the the history in food. I have a terrible time saying no, especially when it's food. And I usually people always say, well, you know, within reason, like eat until you're not hungry, not till you're full. Right. My problem here is that I love to cook and I think that I'm an okay cook. So I will cook and then smelling it and I can't wait till it's done and I will eat till I'm full, like past, not hungry. I'm full. But then like an hour and a half or two hours later, I feel like I'm hungry, but it's just because I'm not full anymore. So then I'll go graze a little more just to top myself off about six times a day. And I, I, it's a horrible evil cycle because it's, I love food. You enjoy it. It feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like many things in life you can like, oh, that's, you know, that steak's good. I mean, there's certain food, not even the presentation, just real well done Mexican dish, uh, fettuccine Alfredo, stuffed manicotti, a steak on a grill. Like I would borderline say that like that is some sexy food. Like it's emotional to me. I love it. And I eat everything. (laughs) I love it. I love it all. It's emotional, right? That's the thing that's really important to realize. It's emotional and food also tells a story. Like the emotional part of it also tells a story of like who we are, where we come from, Mm -hmm. what we hope to be. Yeah. Right. I, I just, I love it. What is, what's, what have you cooked recently that you enjoyed? Um, I did some New York strip and some thin cut uh, ribeyes. We marinated them and then had made some sourdough bread, the little round rolls, like the three day sourdough bread, and then put some garlic butter and some cheese and made like toasty ribeye sandwiches. Oh my goodness gracious, that sounds delicious. (laughs) And it was the 4th of July and you're sitting outside, there's sun, you have a cocktail on the deck and you're eating this meat you cooked on fire and it's it's just like to me that's about as good as it gets meat that is cooked on fire right yeah i my grill i'm out there in my winter coat middle of january 40 below that grill's going i i grill all the time i love it 
Yeah, there's something about that char, right? Yes, that's not burnt. Like, you got to do it right. Because if you, you're just doing a steak, you're not slow cooking it on a grill. You got to sear it and do, and I don't have the fancy, I don't even know what the term is because it's French. What is it? What is the proper way to pronounce the way to prepare a steak when it's in like the vacuum bag and you have it sitting in the water at a certain temperature and then you take it out and you sear it and then it's done. Sous vide. Okay. Okay. I'm, it's I okay. It's not... weird. Who cooks in a plastic bag? That's crazy. Yes. Yes. And I ha- don't have one lick of French language in me. So <laughs> was, like I was always, like, I was afraid to say it out loud because then I'd sound stupid. So thank you for that. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> but I, um, I don't, I don't go that far with stuff. I just, recipes to me are guidelines. Yeah. Un- unless it's baking, like you got to have X amount of salt and baking powder, baking, like that stuff. But if it's in a pan, pfft. I, that looks like a quarter cup. I feel the Whatever. same way. And I'm actually even a little bit like that with um, with baking. But I've also spent my life in a kitchen, so I'm like, yeah, that's close enough. I'm not quite confident enough with stuff that has to rise <laughs> to just yeah. wing it. So if it's in a pan, the recipe, like, yeah, that looks like a tablespoon, Whatever. But in bread, I, I, I measure a little more careful. Right. Absolutely. You know, yesterday I, um, with a friend of mine, we took the day off and we rode our bikes and we went out to the coast mm-hmm. and we had, um, a lot of stuff was closed and a lot of stuff was, you know, or some stuff was open. What was open was mm-hmm. this like pizza and oyster bar. <laughs> the r- random mix of right? <laughs> foods there. And we stopped, and when you were talking about the char and the meat and the grill, mm-hmm. um, not burnt, but charred, is mm-hmm. reminded me of the pizza that we had yesterday because <sighs> it had that, like, little bubbles of, like, char yep. on the outside. It was amazing. There's one place that just opened here. Actually, they have coffee, they have hand-scooped ice cream, and the guy's like, I like pizza. So they put in a stone, like, brick oven. They make a fire, you push the fire to the back, and you slide the pizzas in. And it is so good. Like, some people don't like it because they're like, that's kind of crusty on the outside. It's burnt. It's not burnt. It's 900 degrees in there, so it takes 65 seconds to cook a pizza. But It really does. It's so good. It's all, like, mozzarella, sauce, and some basil. Pop it in there, pop it out, and there's not much better. And the sauce was so thin. Yep. Like yep. it wasn't yep. like, you know, salt forever. Uh, there's a few places around here where I, when I, I know if I'm going to order a pizza, I got my, my kids over and we're just, we're going to watch a movie. We'll, I'll go grab a pizza. And I specifically say half the amount of sauce, because if I don't, when you take a bite, it's like biting a ketchup packet. It, yeah. There's like a, a half inch of, it's like a, a sauce pie. It, yeah, it's too much, too much, too much. You just need a tiniest little bit, right? Yep, just because it's made right. That tomato sauce is very rich is the wrong word. Like, you know, there's sauce on it. Like that, that right. pizza you had, that yeah. thin little bit of sauce, you knew yeah. it was there. Yeah. You don't, you don't need two cups on a pizza. No, it's the vehicle. It's the flavor of vehicle. Uh, see these terms, so, I don't know. 
I don't know what to what to say even about it. And you're just so eloquently putting it. That's it's a vehicle <laughs> to get the pizza into my mouth. I'm going to use that from now on. I like yeah. That. <laughs> Tell me about cheese curds. I'm really curious about cheese curds. I've never actually had them. I've just heard about them. What I'm going to do is when we're done, I'm going to get your address. I'm going to get my dad has some uh, eye medication shipped in these little styrofoam insulate like it has to be cold. I'm sending you some cheese curds. <laughs> That's amazing. There's two different kinds. And well, there's a lot of different kinds. There's cold. Or there's deep fried. Okay. The cold ones you can, I mean, they make everything from garlic and ranch to jalapeno to bacon. Most of the time it's yellow cheddar cheese curds. Mm -hmm. That's it. And they're, if you get them fresh, because it's Wisconsin, there's farms everywhere. And a lot of them have like a creamery where you can get like milk from the bulk tank or cheese curds right from the farm. And they're still... They're cold cheese curds because you have to refrigerate them. But when you get them fresh, they're still warm. And they're in they're in these big vats with the whey, like that salty liquid. And when you bite them, when they, they squeak against your teeth, this is squeaky cheese curds. So what we do is we get the bags, if they're already refrigerated, put them on a plate in the microwave for like 15 seconds. And they almost, it's like leaving a cheese tray out for an hour. How it, the cheese almost gets, it sounds gross, but sweaty, oily. Those cheese curds do that again. And they're just like right out of the tank. They're salty and delicious. And the, the deep fried ones are essentially those. You roll them in flour, dip them in beer batter, and you throw them in a deep fryer. And they are the stringiest, most delicious. Like a lot of fairs around here have them. Uh, every bar grill has cheese curds, and they're one and of the greatest things. Cheese curds are a byproduct ever. of a process, right? It's it's like they're making cheese, from what I understand, but they stop like halfway through. So it does. If they kept going, you'd have a wheel of cheddar but they run these wire whisks through to kind of break it up. And oh, then they, right. they scoop it out, drain the liquid out, and they throw it in bags. And that's it. Got it. So it's, I mean, you could get one that's the size of your pinky nail, or you could get one that's twice the size of my thumb. They're just, it's not uniform. They're just the most random sizes. And if you like cheese at all, you will love cheese curds. It's just, it's a thing. I'm so curious about the <laughs> squeaky part because I've always uh, heard that they're squeaky against your teeth and I'm like... It's so good. It's it's hard to explain to someone if you've never had one, but once you put them in the microwave for just a littlest bit, 10 sec, five seconds, just enough to make them room temperature, and you take that first bite, you're going to eat the rest of the bag. <laughs> it's just... And they're usually like a pound. Some of the bigger ones you can get bulk, you know, maybe a two, three pound bag or whatever. But uh, just toss, put the a bread tie on them and throw them in the fridge. That's it. And you use them for every, I mean, you can eat them just like that, but you can also Correct. use them for cooking and people yes. use them for all kinds of things, right? Most of the time, like if you go to a, you go to a bar and grill, you're just going to get a burger, get an appetizer of cheese curds. That's what the cheese curds come as, is an appetizer. 
Okay. And they're just in like the little the paper boat with the foil or the wax paper. And most places serve them with uh, a cup of ranch because it's mm. the Midwest. So <laughs> we put ranch on everything also. Um, but yeah, it's uh, go to a graduation party. If they have the fruit plate out, they have, you know, cheese and sausage tray. There'll be a bowl of cheese curds. It's just a just a snacky something, but d- different places will put them on burgers, whether they're the squeaky ones or deep fried. Uh, they'll slice up brats and cheese curds and do like a brat and cheese pizza. Um, mm. Just you, you can put it on everything. It's it's just cheese. It's just a different vehicle. Yeah, <laughs> to get it into it's your just body. a different vehicle, right? Yeah, and it's I didn't realize that it was such a thing. Like, I thought they were everywhere. And that's not a thing. No. I guess. No, it's not. It's, I, I, that just for you talking to me, I will send you a bag of <laughs> cheese curds so because you, I'm the, very curious. Yes. And it, you'll request more because <laughs> they're just, they're fantastic. What's exotic food for you or what? I mean, sous vide we talked about, but what's, I the one thing we don't have here is um and there's people who are going to hate me because it's like they think it's the greatest thing ever but good seafood. Mm-hmm. I mean around here you go Friday night fish fry. Local right. caught walleye, little perch fillets, whether it's uh, baked, battered, broiled, whatever. But if you get like crab legs where where are you going to get crab legs from? In right. Wisconsin. Uh, my sister lived in Maine for a couple of years. And she's like, she loves seafood. And now she, when she moved back, she moved to Minneapolis. And she's like, that ruined seafood for me. Because half the places they went to in Maine, you watched them walk the crab off the boat. Right. And that's what you were eating. You know what I mean? Here, it, you know it was on a truck for a day at minimum. Right. Even at the nicer restaurants. But most of the people around here, like their seafood is... Red Lobster, which is <laughs> is not for me, but exotic would be real, <clears throat> authentic anything. I don't care if it's French cuisine, authentic Italian, authentic Mexican. There's just not, I got to go two hours to get anything, to get Italian food made by an Italian person. Mm-hmm. Or someone who does it the way that they would in Italy or a traditional carbonara right. or uh, something like that. That It's not exotic. It's just not available locally. And that's what I try to do at home. But I don't have a refined palate enough to where I can eat something at a restaurant like I can make that. And it's about five degrees away from what I really want. It's fine, but I can't define in my head what I need to do to make that at home exposure right yeah yeah you know um this is slightly off topic but it reminds me of something that um there is no topics here so you just talk away (laughs) thank you um I have long wanted to do a TEDx talk okay and like you know who am I to do that but there's something about um the vast majority of marketing for my business is doing presentations at conferences, sure. talking to people, um, doing national conferences changes a whole bunch. And so I've long wanted to do a TED talk. 
TEDx, obviously, because, you know, like my name is not a household name. Sure. In talking <laughs> sure. about it. Um, and the big thing about a TED Talk, there's a whole bunch of strategy that goes into it. But the big thing that it always come back, comes back down to is what's your idea? And so every once sure. in a while, I start doing research of like, how am I going to get a TEDx talk and all of that? And they go, oh, right, my idea, my idea. And I have to go back. And this has actually been on the books for like probably two or three years. <laughs> okay. I work on it for a while and then I go away and I work on it for a while. And just last night after I rode, so I rode um, all day yesterday. Okay. And you have time for your brain to check out and everything mm -hmm. to relax. And mm -hmm. I got home last night and all of a sudden I was like, there's my idea. This is how it makes sense to me. Okay. And one of the big points in my preliminary outline is my very first outline that I'm like, <laughs> I have my sure. idea. Um, I think I have my idea. We'll see, right? If it changes. But one of the biggest things that I talked about is that it's about exposure. Oh, and so yeah. when you say you have to go two hours or you don't feel like you have a refined enough palette, it's not that you don't have a refined enough palette, I would suggest. I think that maybe you haven't had exposure. I, I would I absolutely agree, agree with that. Right. If you had more exposure, you would be like, oh, I can reverse engineer this. I mean, there's something that you are uniquely yes. good at that other people aren't. It, well, and it's yes, in short. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just because there's a few local cafes in town. There's Arby's, there's McDonald's, there's Hardee's. There's unfortunately more fast food places in the little town than local owned places, mm -hmm. which is I'm not a fan. But I've told this story oh, a couple episodes ago. I'll do the short version. We had a KFC, which I'm not you know, a fan of. Um, they closed down. There's an uproar in town, but they closed to renovate because they went in cahoots with Taco Bell. So now it's one building that's KFC Taco Bell. They're everywhere, but they only have like half the menu of each of the restaurants. Oh, but we'd never had a Taco Bell here. So when they opened, there was probably a three hour wait with cars lined up down the road. And then we did, we do now finally have an authentic um, Mexican restaurant in town. So when everyone in the small town went and slowly did that, about half of the people were like, oh, what? I don't know what the hell that was. Like Taco Bell's way better because that was Mexican food to them. Right. So when you get real mole or chicken or beef or pork, anything from a real Mexican restaurant, it's not Taco Bell. I don't want it to be Taco Bell. Right. <laughs> but to them, that but was Taco it. Taco Bell's the, the norm, right? It's the yeah. thing that's, yeah. That's all they knew was if they happened to venture outside of the county, we'll just grab something to go from a fast food place. And I, that's a rule of mine. If I go to visit my sister in the cities, went down to Florida this spring for a week, I refuse to stop at anything that is a chain anywhere. I will read review. I will spend three hours looking stuff up, reading reviews, ratings. Like, I want steak. I don't need $200 a plate steak, but where is a good steak consistently good by reviews and ratings? And I don't care if it's in an old gas station. Uh, you know, I don't need to put a three-piece suit on for dinner. I just want good food. So right. I will... I will not 
drive through McDonald's in Florida. Right. <laughs> I'm going yeah, to right. go to a restaurant, you know, right. Bob's Crab Shack or what I don't care. I just I want to experience local people making local food wherever I go. And that's even within Wisconsin. I go to Madison, uh, go to a, a Badger football game. I'm not eating at Applebee's. <laughs> I'm finding some hole in the wall, whether it's bar, grill, cafe. Doesn't matter. That's How far are you away from mine. Madison? Mm, with the the new freeway now, um, maybe three hours. If Wisconsin was like your hand, we're right in the middle, north, south, east, west, right in the middle of the state, almost wow. between Minneapolis and Green Bay. Okay. Right in the middle and also north, south, I guess. <clears throat> so we're about a quarter the size of California. <laughs> right. Everything. I mean, except for Texas is the size of, is quarter the size. Yeah. I'm always shocked when <laughs> I travel. I'm like, we're in another state. How do you yeah. do that? It's been less yeah. than 10 hours. Well, we were planning a trip next year to California and like, oh, we'll fly into Vegas, get a car and then go like see Sequoia and then drive down to uh, see Alcatraz, take the kids and then go down, to, you know, hit up like San Diego Zoo. And I'm like, you you don't realize how far that stuff is. It's not the it's not the length of Wisconsin. It's, I mean, Alcatraz and the San Diego Zoo are like not in the same day. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and that's so. I think we're gonna end up either doing two weeks or two trips because California is just there's so much that we want to see and to to show the kids, and you're not gonna do it in five days. No, I mean <laughs> it depends. How old are your kids? Uh, nine and oh god, twelve. Two boys and. Two boys. Yeah. Just old. I would think it's a lovely place. I mean, you sound begrudging about like it's such a small small town or out in the middle of nowhere, but it's I would think that that means it's a lovely place to raise kids. Yes. It, there's z my keys have never left the ignition of my vehicle. Right. I don't lock my door on the house, on the car. Like our business here, um, I'm actually in the back office of our I do real estate sell real estate. This is like just an empty office. My boss let me turn into a studio. <laughs> but right. we, we lock the business, but uh, it's the perfect size to where they have opportunity in school. They offer a bunch of AP classes, a bunch of work study where you, you know, I want to be an auto body mechanic. There's five places in town. We're like, yeah, send them on over. We'll teach them. And it's big enough to where you get a little bit of taste of kind of everything. But there's no metal detectors to get into school or, you right. know, like none of that is a worry for me here. Um, so, yes, for kids. But I, despite the fact that I haven't traveled much, I want nothing more than just like I want to bus across Europe over the course of a month or, you know, and it's I'll be 60 by the time I'm able to do that just because you got to wait till kids are <laughs> out of the house but i i just want to go i'm curious about real estate how much real estate is changing hands <sighs> last year this time there was more changing hands but this time this year there's more demand because i have 
35 buyers probably that can't find a place. They'll send me a listing and say, I can be there tomorrow night to look at it by tomorrow. There was 13 showings and they have five offers for 40 grand over asking. Like it's already gone. So there's, we have no inventory. Everything that gets listed, poof, it's gone. Wow. Is it always like that or just now? It started last March, 2020, February, kind of when everything started getting shut down. I was honestly thinking like, well, nobody's going to be buying, selling. Like, do I need to find a side job or, (laughs) you know, something? I have never been as busy as I was last year because people were sitting at home looking at Zillow on their phone, not spending money on concert, on going out to eat, on all this other stuff that they couldn't do. And, well, you know what? We got some money saved up. Let's buy that lake lot. Let's buy that our recreational cabin. Let's uh, let's stop renting for 900 a month. Get a $150,000 house for us and the kids for 200 bucks less a month because the interest rates went from four and a quarter. I had several last summer, last fall that were 1.875, 2%. So if you made decent money, you had decent credit, you would almost be stupid to not buy at those interest rates. Right. But there's, I have a, a fair amount of sellers who want to list, but they're scared to list because they can't find a place because mm-hmm. everything gets bought up so fast and they don't want to be homeless. So, and if you're an adult, adult, you know, 40, 50, it's not like you can just move back in with mom and dad right. <laughs> un- until you find a place. If you're 22 and making good money, yeah, I'll move back in your old room for a month until you find a place and then you can go. But it's crazy busy. So it's like, hurry up and wait. There's no listings, nothing new. All of a sudden, there's a new house. You got five buyers to call. I got to get you in there today. And then you wait. Did we get it? No. Okay. Well, I'll keep an eye out for the next one. And then you right. just wait a week until something else pops up. But I cover, <clears throat> excuse me, the essentially from where I am in Wisconsin all the way the whole northern half of the state. Mm-hmm. So it's... It's still really crazy. We just need more. There's no inventory. So you're a busy man with that big big of a territory. Yes. And I have 15 hobbies (laughs) that I do. Also, prior to uh, real estate, I did probably three years. Uh, Had my own business doing like custom woodwork, uh, dining room tables, chairs, end tables. uh, Those like cubby nooks in an entryway. Um just doing all that kind of stuff. And then I just let's, I I like talking and I don't have anybody to talk to. So let's start a podcast. Just random things. Yeah. I, I enjoy listening to podcasts, whether they're about something or not, but I also, not that I feel like I have something to say, but I enjoy talking to people. And I get grief about that. My ex-wife always gave me grief about it. Like, nobody talks to a cashier. Nobody talks to the waitress. Right. Or a bartender. Or You know what I mean? And 
like everywhere I go, if you ask, you know, you got some high school kid who's ringing you up at Target. He's like, hey, how's it going today? They just look at you like, uh, good, you? Because <laughs> nobody, nobody asks them. And it's not like I'm going to stand there and hold the line for 10 minutes, but just to talk to someone. My mom told me I'd be good at it, too, because every report card in elementary school said I talk too much. <laughs> right. But I just like I t actually had my first one of these um, yesterday morning uh, with a guy in Los Angeles. He's mid 20s um, out of the military and just. He's like, same thing. I just, somebody to talk to. I want to talk to people. I want to, Australia, uh, South Africa, Middle East, Britain. Like, I don't care. I just, I want to talk, to, tell me about where you're from, your culture. What did you have for supper last night? I don't right. care. Just, let's just talk. Yeah. Have you heard of Lunch Club by any chance? I've heard the name, but I have not listen to it do or I mean, don't i love the fact that you're doing a podcast right because it kind of like has this like it's not that there are no topics it's and sure. it's not that it's formal but at the same time you're like i'm gonna do a podcast like there's something uh, it makes you focus sure it gives me something to do i guess right. <laughs> so to speak but yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's just there is if 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 someone who's a guest has something that they want to talk about that they are promoting that they know about tell me about it like i want to know about it i'm thirsty for all kinds of knowledge and every topic and if it's a friend of mine he'll come in we'll sit down he'll have a so maybe we'll have a, a, a glass of beer and i haven't seen i had a guy last week uh haven't seen him in 15 years just kind of through Facebook, we kind of chit chat here, like, oh, the kids, whatever. And when he sat down in here, it was like I saw him yesterday. Right. Like you just take right back off the same kind of inside jokes and just talk about life. And we sat here, I said, well, hour, hour and a half. Um, and he was like, yeah, that's cool, whatever. And I think we ended up at three and a half hours. Like just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> just went. And that's what I love wow. is just talk, talk to me, tell me something, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I'm so curious about your podcast process, but really quickly, I want to tell you about lunch club and then I'll go back yeah. to asking you no, about podcasts. That's fine. That's fine. Um, so lunch club is something that I started at the beginning of the pandemic and it blew my mind. I mean, essentially it's like, the the same mechanism is online dating, but it's conversations with human beings. And it's been Ugh. phenomenally interesting. I have met the most interesting people and you literally just show up to have a conversation with people. Yeah, that's that's essentially what I'm doing. Yeah, that's all I, I don't want. I don't want anything from you or from anyone else who may be a guest. I just... Like, tell me about you. That's like you were an executive chef. You teach people about food stuff, about business end of it. I, stuff that I don't know about and I want to know about. <laughs> right. And it's just curious to have like human beings coming together to have a conversation that's not directed about like something specific that's normal to your world. It's just like, yes. who are you? What's the story? Yep. So have you intentionally grown your podcast or? 
You just I, have conversations and what happens, happens. I, yes, I don't have any, I have a notepad next to me where I was going to make notes in talking to people and so that I would be able to bring something up and whatever. And it's been here for nine episodes and I don't have anything written on it. <laughs> I mean, there's, I don't, I don't want an interview. It's, it's not 2020. I want us to just, like if you and I were sitting at a table in a cafe, no camera, no microphone, and we're just, what's new? You know, what's going on in your world? But I also, organic, just talk about whatever. If all of a sudden you, you were like, you know what? I just got this new car. In the next half hour, we talked about how awesome the automatic parallel parking was. I don't care. <laughs> like that somebody's going to find that interesting. There'll be something funny in there. Right. But I don't, I haven't like paid for promotion. I'm still figuring all this stuff out. I just discovered that matchmaker.fm on accident. I was looking up like the best, literally my Google search was the best remote recording application for podcasts. So I was reading reviews and ratings of all the different things and that popped up as an ad and matchmaker.fm is for podcasts, guests, and shows for anyone listening. It's not, it's, it's like a dating site, but for people who want to be guests or who have a show and it's, I didn't even know it was a thing. So I put my show on there and I think the next day. I had like 17 people who were like, oh, I, like I, 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 this is kind of what I do for business, but I'd love to just come on and chat. Right. Because That's being, amazing. yes. And being as small area as rural, my original plan was just to have friends. Some of my family is, a, a, they're a hoot. Um, so just come on and share funny stories and that kind of stuff. But they're all at a distance, so I had to figure out the remote recording stuff. And then the local people who would come into studio, there was probably three quarters of them who either were like, "No, nah, I don't want to. I don't like. I don't want to be recorded. I'm nervous. I don't want to do it." Like, like backed out. So then I'm like, "Well, I'm out of local guests. I have to remote record something." Right. <laughs> and that's when I happened upon that system where essentially we found each other for lack of better term but right. there's people on there i mean i'm setting up one with a couple ladies from london they have their own podcast and they're like in their early 20s figuring out life and they're like oh someone who's lived a little bit of life across the world i think it'd be hilarious like we let's just talk and have a ch have a time so we're setting that like just these People I never in my lifetime would have imagined wanting to talk to little old me in little old Medford, Wisconsin. And here we are. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's I don't need like Joe Rogan numbers. I don't I don't I expect this to not go anywhere. So that way, if it does, awesome. And if it doesn't, I'm not disappointed. Right. I just I enjoy it. I'm not looking to make money. I'm not expecting anything out of it other than some good recordings of good conversations with some cool right. people. And that's it. You know where I've had some amazing conversations unexpectedly is that, um, so I'm now retired from chefing 
and I'm sure. a food business consultant and I bring the business side to the food world because I discovered that my problem was a kind of a universal problem, which is that many chefs know how to cook, but they don't know how to run businesses. Sure. sure. And if they don't know how to run a business, then you kind of don't have a venue or a vehicle to cook <laughs> professionally, <laughs> yes. at least, right? Yep. So yep. I started becoming a food business consultant and then I realized, oh, wait, broke chefs and food business owners that aren't making it because they don't know the business side can't afford, can't always afford a consultant's wage. So I built this sure. online course, which makes it much more accessible. Sure. And I started this course called Food Financials, which is has to do with all of the money aspects of running a restaurant or running a food business. Okay. And is that, so it's for, I already know how to cook, but I don't know one thing about running a business, the financial end of it, the business end yeah. of a restaurant. That's what your product, your classes, your system is yeah. for, is to train that yeah. end of it. Nice. Yeah. I mean, if you want help figuring out how much it costs you to make the ribeye sliders and sourdough last night, like that's not that you don't sure. need the course. If you want to know how to like to manage and grow a thriving restaurant and so that the numbers work financially, the numbers work. Sure. That's the course. Yeah, so you're more of an overall, I know how to cook. I want to buy this place and have a good business. You're kind of the overarching these are the financials and tools that you need to build a successful business, not how 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 much I should charge for a cheeseburger. How much you should charge for a cheeseburger will come out of that for sure. Sure. Okay. But but it's not just my random idea of like, you know, how much is a cheeseburger? Above all, <laughs> how much once you sell sure. a cheeseburger for has nothing to do with what the guy down the street is selling it for because we don't there's so many things about his business that we don't know we should do a lot more than just copy him. That's for sure. Sure. Well, and that's hmm, something I should send to a few of the people around here. <laughs> yeah, because you just don't know if that's going to make sense. But yes, ironically, some of the most amazing conversations that I've had in the recent months have been from people that are taking my food financials course. And you would think, OK, so we're going to talk about food costs and labor costs and manufacturing overhead costs or variable costs. Yeah as human beings we've had an opportunity mm -hmm. to talk and have conversations and that's been amazing to me because we come together in a central location um, about a shared topic of interest sure but then from that human beings can you know spark so i guess that's kind of like talking to the cashier oh sure, oh, sure. well and check it's, out. it's nice um that you there's so many of those that i've seen because i Again, 19 hobbies. I edit video and audio and I Photoshop stuff for people and whatever. But in learning to do that, <clears throat> if I need to know how to do one certain thing in Adobe Premiere, I will Google, like, how do I do this thing? But as soon as Google or whoever knows that you're looking for that, all of a sudden all my ads are Photoshop classes and, you know, 99 bucks for a three-month course. And of all the people I know that have taken them, you pay and you get these generic things and then they just, it's up to you to figure it out on your own. If you're actually personally involved with the people 
who are taking your classes. It's not just like you email them a PowerPoint and like, okay, thanks. Like you, if you have interaction with them, they can physically speak to you. Right. That's fantastic because a lot of these people almost seems like I have this somewhat of a curriculum. I think I can make money off it. You give me money. I give you a stack of Excel, Excel workbooks. Yeah. And you never hear from them. You'll get some form letter saying thank you for your purchase. And that's it. And for you to actually say that not only do you have contact with your students, but you have conversation as people (laughs) more than just your student asking you a question about this, asked and answered, let's move on. Well, I've inherently designed something into the system is that at least for now, I have a private Facebook group and I do when people take the courses twice a week, I show up. And we have like office hours or FAQ or whatever. Mm -hmm. Either I will show up with questions that have come my way or things that I think people might want to know from the lessons of that week. Sure. Then there's also like it's open hours where people can show up and be like, I did the work on week two and I don't understand this or how do I adapt this into my business? So sure. Well, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. You have a back and forth. It's not, they don't have to click on help and find some generic, like they can ask the person who created these classes, like, I don't understand, what did you mean? And you can give an answer. And that's the way to do it. The best way to do it, in my opinion, because I can find an article online and read it. I don't need to pay for something. But if you're getting the actual, I don't want to say one-on-one, but... You're accessible, I guess would be the way I would put that. And that's a lot of people um, like that. Very few sticky notes around my monitor, but one of them that I have (laughs) is that, because, you know, if you have too many, they all blend in. But one of the sticky notes that I do have, one of the very few is that a good course teaches on a topic. A great course facilitates a transformation. That's perfect. So I help somebody go from point A to point B. Sure. I'm hoping. That's my goal. So that's why it's dead center. How long have you been doing this for? Oh, I don't mean to pop quiz. You know, but it has to do new a rough number. <laughs> yeah, I mean the content. Yeah, five or six years. I used to it, do it live. Sure, sure. And then now I moved it online because I want to be able to sell it across the country. To be honest sure. with you. Yeah. Is um, it? It's obviously worth it. Do people tell you? Like, I learned a lot from this. Yeah, it changes people's businesses. That you're doing it right, then. Because if... I'm not so if, great at promoting it. <laughs> I, I... People are like, oh, you should promote the show. And I'm like, I don't... I'll just put it out there. People will find it, I guess, if they like it. So I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm thankful that I'm not. Your goal is to have conversations. Your goal isn't to promote it. Exactly. And if and I, when it becomes that, you'll figure it out. You you have 17 hobbies. You can figure out how to do <laughs> whatever it is that you want to do. Yes, I have too many. I need to whittle that down. But I. But you enjoy them. I do. I just need like 42 hour long days so I right. can get a little bit in of every day. So, so what is your, I don't want to say average day? Like, do you, with the classes and stuff, is there book work? Like, do you have to grade? 
like a like a professor would or do you just kind of what check in when you want tell me like what's an average day for you so an average day for me kind of like you my world is all over the map right like mm-hmm. i have a day job and i have hobbies and i have things that i do sure um my day is so i still do one-on-one consulting okay. with restaurants and food businesses and that can either be remote or local. So sure. I could be out with a client all over the place, or mm-hmm. I could be, um, you know, a lot of Zoom sessions. I was doing Zoom sessions probably for half my work, even before the pandemic. Sure. And then, um, so I can be doing one-on-one consulting. I can be creating content. Mm-hmm. And um, I have the courses. I have two courses, but right now Food Financials is running. And in that, like, I will show up twice a week or I'll answer frequently asked questions in my Facebook group. Nice. So I have somewhat of a routine. Like, there are things that are fixed. Sure. Very few things that are fixed. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff that rotates around. A loose routine. Yeah. And you. And almost every day from 11 to 1230, I go for a bike ride. Oh, well, you're in California. <laughs> you have to. It's got to be beautiful there almost every day. That's what they say. <laughs> I mean, so, the thing is, is, I mean, I haven't seen snow unintentionally for a very long time. You have to go try to find snow. I'll send you some of that with the cheese curds. <laughs> I bet you will, right? Because you have plenty. Uh, we get too much. Too much. Now, something I want to know is, do you... Because you said you were uh, the chef and you didn't like that's that was your jam. And then at some point you didn't exercise that muscle to kind of do something else or to allow yourself to do something else. Looking back now, you've been doing these classes for five, six years. And I'm I don't know how long it's been since you were like, I'm just an executive chef. But since then to now. Are you happy? Was it the right decision? Mm. I mean, not saying you have to settle for where you're at right now, yeah. but from just being an executive chef, like just I'm cooking food to what you're doing now, was that a positive change in your mind? What a great question. <laughs> it really is. I mean, I never would have thought of that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So it's been 12 years since I opened okay. the current business that I own, which is called Culinary Business Strategy. Okay. And it's food and business and strategy, community people, you know, business strategy. It's a puzzle. I really enjoy this puzzle. It's the same skill set as being a chef. Sure. As doing business. It's all about strategy, moving the pieces around. Was it a positive move? Well, like I said in the very beginning, like I didn't know how to exercise the muscle of what do I want to do? Sure. Because I always knew I wanted to do that. So the actually rounding that bend was a super crazy hard um exercise it was actually in grad school when i was getting an mba that i was like what do i want to do how can you, <laughs> like what else do you do besides be a chef yes um and in retrospect i was headed here the whole time i just didn't quite see the path in front of me right and so sure. um there was um is it the right move absolutely i love 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 what i do good that th- that was the short answer of what I was looking for. Because it was either going to be, yes, I love it, or like, you know, I just, it's so much on my plate, I'd much rather just show up to work and cook. 
So I'm that happy for you that it was a hard yes. Hard yes. It's a hard yes, yeah. That's good. And it's not just... Um, it just show up and cook is the reason why I needed to go do something else. Sure. And now I have the benefits. So like you, this last year has been crazy business-wise. So I used to have like 25 to 30 clients on any given month. Okay. And then in March 2020, I suddenly had 400 clients on a, on a month. <laughs> like sure. everything exploded. And yep. I have the benefit and the excitement of being able to see anywhere between like 75 to 400 businesses a month. That's crazy. So I am all over the place, always on my feet, thinking, moving quickly. And that's yeah. what my brain does and figuring perfect. out A to B. And so this is the perfect job for me. That's good. I love what I do. That's good. That That's the end game. Right. And because you always hear that, you know, if you love what you do, you won't work a day in your life. That's to me mostly accurate because i love my day-to-day -day. i'm the happiest i've ever been you still have crappy days mm -hmm. you know where it's like ugh, this client is driving me nuts i don't want to deal with this guy tomorrow i'm back to good right <laughs> i wouldn't change what i'm doing now despite right. the fact that you're always going to just maybe you wake up in a bad mood you got a client who was a jerk whatever it's not you're not just going to quit everything you're doing and go back to to being a chef somewhere. You know what I mean? It's it's worth it to you in the end to continue Absolutely. or expand or grow. And that's yes. good. You're going forward. You're not going backwards, I guess. Absolutely. I love what I do. And I get to, I mean, it's kind of like going to grad school over and over again. I keep getting sure. to learn more. And the <laughs> yep. truth of the matter is at the end of the day, I'm a student more than anything else. Or a student and a strategist, sure. right? Yeah. That's... That's good because in that line of work, I can only imagine because I don't do it. Every the the end goal for what you do for each of these clients is similar, but the way you get there has to be completely different every time. Yeah, I mean, right? I have a different toolbox. I think much like you selling real estate, right? Like you have different tools that you wouldn't sure. use for every single transaction and you could like right now I just did my early morning walk with a friend of mine who's moving out of the Bay area, out of the city to the country. Sure. And she has decided that she's refinancing her house because it's really hard to get a HELOC right now. Mm -hmm. So she's refinancing, pulling 500 out of it to have to go buy a house somewhere else. And then she'll sell her current house. And I sure. was talking to her like, why are you doing that rather than just writing a contract contingent upon selling? Because selling yeah. houses in the Bay Area right now is not difficult. Oh, I would only imagine that it's got to be if in rural Wisconsin, it's crazy. I know we have three offices in Milwaukee and they can't keep up. So I would have to imagine everywhere is nuts. So... You know, like, I don't know a ton of, I mean, I've bought and sold a couple of houses, but like, I don't know as much, nearly as much about real estate as you do, but I do know that like, you could refinance and pull cash out mm -hmm. to get the deposit, or you could write a yep. contingency. Like you wouldn't necessarily use every tool that you know for every transaction. Correct. 
So it, I don't use every tool that I have to get help people go from point A to yes. point B. Yeah. But so yes, it's this well, and that's, that's yes. You they're coming to you for something. You're helping them to some capacity. But every day is you never know what you're gonna get every day. No clue. Even even though you're doing the same thing every day, quote you know, air quotes, you you're doing yeah. the same thing for these all these clients. The way you do it is different. Your approach, depending on their situation, their business, their whatever. Absolutely. That's all different. Every day. So that keeps it somewhat fresh then. You're not oh, standing yeah. at an assembly line stamping out the same piece of metal every day, all day long. Which is why I think on some level why, <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, if I have to do the same thing over and over my entire, mm -hmm. that's what got me to grow beyond being a chef. Sure. And that's... Back to your, you made the right decision. I That's did. good. That's perfect. I love That's, what I do. It's a success story in the making, right here. It's perfect. I hope so. I'm working it's on perfect. it. Well, you're you're still smiling. That's I that's am. good. That's good. <laughs> and I love. I mean, I'm so excited about what I'm doing. Yeah. That's that's good because there's a lot of people who, even though they're doing their own thing, you ask them that question, and they're like, gotta go. Talk to whoever tomorrow. I'm like, you don't have to do something else. Yeah. If you if you don't like it, don't. Like, if I ever wake up and I'm like, I gotta go into the studio and talk to this guy today. That's the time for me to not be doing this anymore. Right. Because I'm just gonna be floating through it and crabby and whatever. Right. But that's with anything like if you woke up and you're like these clients are driving me nuts my stress level like i, I can't do it anymore that's when you shouldn't be doing it anymore i mean there's some level there's times when it's stressful that i'm like yeah. but <laughs> yes but you're in, but it's okay I you learned, gotta you be know. close to wine country out there somewhere just go grab a couple bottles right right <laughs> it's only an hour away exactly it's yeah perfect i am so glad that we had that we bumped into each other and that we had this time for sure. Absolutely. That's, that's what I, that's the goal. There's no topic. You, like I said, you talk about anything and everything, but before you go, okay. give me the full and I will do it and I'll put the stuff in the show notes, but give me your full, um, I don't want to say spiel, but, uh, like the business name, the class name, where people can find you, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'll put the links and stuff in the show notes when the episode comes out. Um, but just from your own mouth, describe how people can find you, how you can help them, and like where to find you. That's so kind of you to ask. Thank you. Um, so you can find me, um, you know, the the... the the norm is on Instagram okay. is kind of the big deal. Slide into the DMs on Instagram. I would be delighted <laughs> because um, that's where I should be spending a lot of time and energy. And it's sporadic if you want to know the truth. Sure. Basically, the way to find me all over the place is culinary business strategy. That's on Facebook, Instagram, web page. LinkedIn, all of it is culinary business strategy or Deegan Williams, but it's a lot easier to remember culinary business strategy than weird name. So sure. Deegan Williams, or you can email me at Deegan at culinary business strategy.com. 
What I do is I'm a food and beverage business consultant, and I help people realize the next level of success. I bring the business side to the food world, and I help um, food and beverage business entrepreneurs become more successful and less chaotic and more profitable. And I do that through a couple of different venues. One of them is consulting. The other one is online courses. And I have a freebie, you know, a lead magnet on my website, which is um, the six-step process to managing great food businesses. Perfect. So there's plenty of opportunity. And I'd love to have conversations. I'm very similar to you in the sense that, above all, I believe that business and life are built upon relationships and relationships happen through conversations. So Sure. And people... People looking to get in, get a hold of you based on what you've told me, you're also accessible to them. Absolutely. Personally, That's to me. not yeah. like they're going to get your cell phone number and call you at midnight. But if they have a question, you're a real human being who's going to see their question, who's going to respond to them. You're not just taking their money and emailing them a PDF or whatever. Like you said, not. you're perfect. No. Perfect. No, absolutely not. Okay. Well, that good. is super important to me. Actually, it's not only yes. am I willing to answer their question; is I want to hear their question. Sure, and that's and I want to have a conversation so that we can a get more out of it, and b I mean that's the whole point, right? We need people to be seen and heard, yes. and to help people uh, integrate something new into their business. If they knew how to do it on their own, they could. Uh, they would. Sure. Sure. Well, so it's helping facilitating that transformation that's important. I think a lot of times people, and it sounds stupid, but they don't know what they don't know. Right. So they don't even know what to ask. So if they were to just approach you to some degree and be like, oh, I think I can benefit from this. Listen, rewind to five minutes ago, get the website, get the Instagram, and <laughs> and see what you can do for them. Right. Perfect. Absolutely. Okay, well. Thank you so much. I appreciate yeah, it. No problem. I will, again, put the links in the, the show notes and stuff. And um, I will send you an email or email me your address because you're going so to get some you. cheese curds. Because doing what you do to never have had cheese curds. I mean, what's wrong with me, right? You, It's just it's exposure. <laughs> I want to expose you to cheese curds and I just I hope you enjoy them thank you is there anything I can do for you no not at all I I just just to talk literally that's I appreciate okay. it wonderful all right thank you so very much yeah you're welcome have a good I'll afternoon take care bye-bye yep bye-bye now let's show these